Washington, D.C. stands on alert because apparently today is going to be the real inauguration day. Hey, you guys, are you ready to trust the plan yet? We'll talk a bit about what's going on there. In other news, Joe Biden mocks Mississippi and Texas for Neanderthal thinking and then goes on to a press conference and gets cut away before he says more stupid shit. So we'll talk a bit about that. H.R. 1 is back in the news, and McCarthy is up to warn you that this is a Democratic power grab, so we'll talk just a bit about that. And SpaceX launches another rocket, but uh, this one doesn't go quite as well, so we'll talk a bit about what happened there. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We've got some stuff to get to today. It's a pretty packed news day for what we saw over on Tuesday, where it was almost dead there. They've uh, packed a bunch of shit in here, and we're going to talk about all of it. However long or however short it has to take, we will talk about every single second of what's going on this week. And before we get into any of that here, head on over and check out my friends over at freedomscoop.com. You can go and bookmark the website. We are still under construction at this point, but you can head on over there and head on over to the YouTube, the DLive, the Twitch on some instances, Periscope, and check out all my friends over there. Check out their individual channels. You'd be looking for The Generational Gap, The Daily Ignoramus, The Freckles and Brit Show, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, and The Aria Conservative. Come on over there, bookmark the page, get ready to pick up some of our swag, help us support great creators, help us build a better news community, a news community for you, by people who are like you. Alright, let's move in, look at the stocks here, looking at the chart from yesterday over on the market. Looks like we had a little bit of an up spike and then it just kind of leveled and fell down towards the end again. A lot of investors are not real happy about what's going on with the, uh, with the Dow and the investments right now and... I mean, the Dow is the one that's being held up right now, but once again, it's still cold in most places, so the uh, the utilities are still holding it up and booing it up, so we'll talk a bit about what's going on there. As far as the Bitcoin goes, it's down again, 49.450 in U.S. dollars is your current Bitcoin value, so it's like we're going back to the dip again. I think it's just going to stay steady around this area for a little while. And some day, somewhere down the line, the government's going to do something stupid. It's going to shoot back up. So, not investment advice, so definitely have a look at what's going on there. And a new segment that we're adding here in the morning, Gas Buddy. So, we're using uh, Madison because it's far enough away from here that you guys aren't going to try and use Madison to do uh, dox me. But uh, Gas Buddy, we're for Dane County uh, at the Costco and this is pretty well steady across the city. At the Costco on Hepker Road in Sun Prairie is two forty-four per gallon. I just put in gas for two fifty-three a gallon at a pump that six months ago was at ninety-seven cents a gallon. And I filled up from that same pump at that same station at ninety-seven cents a gallon. So we're going to start watching this, seeing what that does with the uh, industry, what it does with the economy, and where it goes from there. So we'll do that every morning from here on out. Moving on to IBD. 
Dow Jones futures fall, last stand for market rally. Boeing leads as Amazon, Zoom break long-term support from Ed Carson. Dow Jones futures fell slightly Thursday morning, along with S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ futures. But pairing losses, the Dow Jones sank modestly Wednesday, while the NASDAQ tumbled to fresh lows. But the stock market rally isn't all dead yet. For real economy stocks, Wednesday was normal or even positive. Boeing, Citigroup, Flagstar, uh, Bancorp, and Aviant cleared buy points or early entries. The sell-off in growth stocks continued, with the Nasdaq undercutting its February 23rd intraday low stay-at-home plays. Amazon, Zoom, Teladoc, Datadog, 2U, all broke long-term or below rather long-term support. Tesla retreated to a 2021 closing low, while Nvidia, Roku, and ServiceNow tumbled decisively below their 10-week lines. Marvel Technology, Snowflake, Okta, and Splunk headlined earnings late Wednesday, but all of these tech stocks were breaking down or uh, broken heading into quarterly results. Falling sharply on Wednesday, Marvel earnings were in line and guidance mixed. Snowflake reported strong revenue growth, while Okta and Splunk beat views. Okta stock tumbled overnight on a $6.5 billion acquisition. Marvel fell sharply, while Snow stock rose modestly. Splunk stock, which is at 10-month lows, rose solidly early Thursday. Tesla stock and NVIDIA stock are on the IBD leaderboard. ServiceNow is on the IBD long-term leaders. Tesla and NVIDIA stock are on the IBD 50. On the futures, Dow Jones futures dipped 0.2% uh, versus fair value. S&P 500 futures retreated 0.3%. NASDAQ 100 futures fell 0.3%. All are off morning lows, especially tech futures. The 10-year Treasury yield dipped uh, one basis point to 146 after rising Wednesday. Initial jobless claims are due at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Economists expect to see new filings rising to 760,000 last week from the prior week's 730,000 which means you're still losing three-quarters of a million jobs every single week in this country. And remember, overnight action in Dow Futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. All right, let's see what MarketWatch has to say this morning. Dow tumbles for second day. U.S. stocks swoon as bond yields flirt with years high. From Mark DeCamber and Joy Wiltermuth. U.S. stock benchmarks closed lower Wednesday after benchmark bond yields marched higher and a batch of fresh economic data suggested a more tepid rebound from the COVID-19 pandemic. Technology shares let equities lower as longer-dated Treasury bond yields were nearly 1% higher from a year ago. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 121.43 points, or 0.4%, to close at 31.270.09 after swinging between modest gains and losses. The S&P 500 shed 50.57 points, or 1.3%, adding at uh, 38.1972. The Nasdaq Composite slid 361.04 points, or 2.7%, finishing below the 13,000 mark at 12.99775, and recorded its largest two-day point and percentage decline since Tuesday, September 8th of 2020, according to Dow Jones market data. On Tuesday, the Dow fell. Wait, that's all the same information that's up here. Why did they have that written twice? Technology stocks came under selling pressure again Wednesday, weighing down the broader equities market as economic data in mixed and longer-term government bond yields marched closer to the year's highs. 
Climbing yields have been in the spotlight for several weeks, stoking fears of a potential policy misstep from dovish U.S. central banks, officials who are looking to help fuel an economic and job market recovery from the pandemic before tightening monetary conditions. Chicago Federal Reserve President Charles Evans said Wednesday that rising interest rates at the short end of the curve could be a problem if it meant investors doubted the Fed's commitment to get inflation higher, but also stressed that he won't be getting nervous until inflation moves above a 2% annual rate during a discussion sponsored by CFA Society of Chicago. So tech is going down and that's dragging everything with it is the extent of what we're seeing from the markets. So we'll see what happens there and we'll continue to watch this and see where it goes. Let's move into the news of the day. NBC News reports DC police, FBI, and high alert ahead of QAnon's true inauguration day. From Ben Collins and Brandy Zadrozny. Law enforcement agencies around Washington, D.C. are adding extra security out of concern about a coming date, March 4th, which is Thursday, that has swirled online among QAnon supporters. An internal memo sent by the Timothy P. Blodgett, the acting House Sergeant-at-Arms, which was obtained by NBC News, said his office is working closely with the U.S. Capitol Police to monitor information related to March 4th and its potential protests and demonstration activity, surrounding what some have described as the true inauguration day. Guys, do you trust the plan yet? Are you ready? Are you ready for them to come out and start put, uh, putting people in cuffs and the triumphant orange man to rise, to rise to the occasion to become the true president as the army comes forward and starts taking people out and talking about the global sexual pedophile ring and everything that surrounds a certain pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. And, I mean, if this all sounds absurd, it's because it is. There are going to be some crazies out there that are going to go out and do something. I guarantee it. Because people are nuts, and they do look at the Donald as sort of a religious figure. That's something you can't deny at this point. They do. And they're going to go out there, and they're going to say, See, it's time. It's going to happen. It's happening. We're going to take the U.S., but they're not going to have the same kind of rallying power as they did back in January. In fact, I'm almost certain to believe that this is more something that came out of the government to try and convince some more people to get out there and get on the FBI's watch list. Hey, hey kids, hey, hey, totally not a Fed here. You guys want to come in and, uh, hey, you know, take over the U.S.? That kind of thing. So, Blodgett wrote that plans are in place for additional personnel to support, uh, support rather the safety and security of members and staff. The memo said Capitol Police have no indication that groups will travel to Washington, D.C. to protest or commit uh, acts of violence. An FBI official said last week that the Bureau was aware of the discussion among far-right groups that Thursday could be the next rallying point. The government is still working to address the events of January 6th, when a rally held by President Donald Trump morphed into a riot at the Capitol. The QAnon movement has been broadly fixated on predicting dates when Trump would initiate a purge of Democrats, journalists, and celebrities who it believes are part of a secretive cabal of child sex abusers. 
President Joe Biden's inauguration and the Capitol riot did cause some fracturing up in the far right. Some extremists turned on QAnon supporters, and even other QAnon followers started to question the movement. But hey, 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 do you trust the plan yet? Many others remain QAnon adherents, having adopted Thursday as the next day they believe Democrats will be arrested en masse or the day that Trump will be reinaugurated as president. The Sovereign Citizen Movement, a 50-year-old conspiracy movement, composed largely of radical tax protesters, believes there has not been a legitimate president since Ulysses S. Grant, who was inaugurated on March 4, 1869. Oh, that's how they landed on that day. I don't know. I'd have a hard time believing Ulysses S. Grant was a legitimate president, too, but, you know... That's another story for another time. Uh, desperate for an explanation that would allow Trump to remain president, some QAnon conspiracy theorist forums have adopted the mythology that he would become the 19th president on Thursday, invalidating almost two centuries of legitimate American government. Do you guys buy any of this? Seriously, I'm, I'm asking. Is, I mean, is there any real rationalization to any of this? Do you trust the plan? Well, that's what they're doing there. So, once again, if, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you that nothing's going to happen. I'm going to tell you that right now. I can't say that nothing's going to happen, but I don't see anything happening at this point. I don't. But we'll see where it comes from. All right. I've got one from Axios. National Guard Chief Pentagon's unusual January 6th restrictions led to a three-hour delay. From Ursula Perano. William Walker, the commanding general of the D.C. National Guard, testified Wednesday that a three-hour delay in approval for National Guard assistance during the January 6th Capitol attack was exacerbated by unusual restrictions on his authorities by Pentagon leadership. Walker testified that if Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy had not prohibited him, him in a January 5th memo from using the National Guard's quick reaction force. Without authorization, he would have immediately sent troops to the Capitol after receiving a frantic call from then Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund. Walker testified that he immediately alerted Pentagon leadership of Sund's request from backup after the phone call at 1.49 p.m. He said on that 2.30 p.m. phone call, Pentagon officials were concerned about the optics of having uniformed guardsmen at the Capitol. But guess what? They don't give a fuck right now, do they? Approval eventually came three hours and 19 minutes later from Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller, according to Walker's testimony. Walker told the Senate Rules and Homeland Security Committees that a quick reaction force is normally a commander's tool to help either a civilian agency, but more typically to help National Guardsmen who are out there and need assistance. Walker testified that the January 5th memo required the Secretary of the Army to approve the movement of deployed Guardsmen from one traffic control point to another, which he said had never happened before in his 19 years' experience. Walker said that he was told that deploying... The quick reaction force could only be used as a last resort in response to a request from an appropriate civil authority. The timeline over when the National Guard requests were made and granted has been a key point of contention in congressional hearings examining the security failures surrounding the Capitol riots. 
at House hearings last week, the former and current Capitol Police chiefs testified that the House Surgeon at Arms, Paul Irving, took an hour to approve a request from the National Guard backup. Irving denies the delay. So, this is a developing story right now. We don't know what's going on, but at this point, somebody in there told the National Guard not to go in. That's what we know at this point. And that in and of itself makes me question a lot of things, both from the executive branch and Congress themselves. And I don't know what to trust on this. I really don't. Now, of course, if you go on Twitter, it's going to be, it was Trump, it was Trump. He knew something was going to happen. He was going to take over the government and he didn't want the army to get in the way. And if you go over to Parler, it's going to be, it was Pelosi, it was Pelosi. Pelosi didn't want this to happen because she wanted to have this defense contract bill out there and she wants national security out there and wanted this to look like she could cram down her authoritarianism. I don't know. I don't know enough about this to tell you whether it was Pelosi, whether it was Trump, or whether it was some rogue insider in the executive branch who was pissed off by the orange man tweeting out stupid shit about people. I don't know. We don't know. But definitely something to watch and keep going off of this. Let's hear what our honorable and decent president had to say about his great constituents who want to be free. So I'm looking over in the uh, comments here and I keep saying people say they can't hear it. I've got audio going out. I can hear it and I can watch the monitor go. So, But we'll read a little bit about this too because CNN's got an article going along with this. And of course it's CNN, so they're the most trusted name of news, don't you know? Biden criticizes Texas and Mississippi for lifting restrictions. Neanderthal thinking from Betsy Klein and Kate Sullivan. President Biden sharply criticized states such as Texas and Mississippi for lifting COVID-19 restrictions against pleas from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and other public, uh, top public health officials accusing those in power of Neanderthal thinking. I think it's a big mistake. Look, I hope everyone's realized by now these masks, they make a difference. We're on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of, of this disease because, because of the way in which we're, we're able to get the vaccines in people's arms. Biden said when asked about the decision by GOP governors Greg Abbott of Texas and Tate Reeves of Mississippi to relax restrictions. The last thing, the last thing we need is Neanderthal thinking. In, that, in the meantime, everything's fine or take your mask off. Or forget it. It still matters. Biden said, referencing a card he keeps in his pocket. With the daily death toll of the virus and his administration's push to get the vaccine in arms, along with his name and contact information in case he wanders off and gets lost. Biden, who was meeting with a bipartisan group of lawmakers in the Oval Office on the subject of ending cancer, called on all Americans to continue to follow guidelines, despite the mixed messaging from some state officials. It's critical, critical, critical that they follow the science. Science! Wash your hands, hot water, do it frequently, wear a mask, rub down your hairy legs, 
Set him out in the sun. Watch him turn blonde. Stay socially distanced. And I know you you all know that. I wish the heck some of the, our elected officials knew it, he told reporters. And I want to move this around here because we want to talk about this one here in just a sec. With that, Keith Olbermann tweeted this out and it got screenshotted as well uh, by Ken Klippenstein. With that same sentiment in mind, why are we wasting vaccinations on Texas if Texas has decided to join the side of the virus? I'll blow that up. Nope, that's all that we have on that. So, I mean, with that, we sit back and listen to this. We sit back and see that, you know, these people do hate you. And they hate, well, they hate freedom, obviously, because they're positions of authority. But... If you don't toe the line that they want to, I mean, this was a this was a quick slip. As a politician, except for Trump, because he would probably say something like this too. But as a politician, you don't go out and tell half of your constituents, on top of all of it, who all want to join in with Texas and Mississippi. But you don't go out and say that anybody who doesn't think the way that I do is just fucking stupid. I don't know if he was trying to out-Trump Trump or what the hell he's trying to do with this, but... And the fact that CNN covered it, too. I thought for sure they were going to cover this one up. That they were just going to, excuse me, go in there and try to scrub this one out of the world. I could not believe that this was a Fox News article. I'm sorry, a CNN article. I thought maybe the Daily Wire and Fox News, but not CNN. I, they're going to 25th Amendment this dude in a hurry. And then we have Her Highness, the Royal Queen, Kamala Harris... All right. Speaking of things that Biden said, the White House cuts virtual event feed after Biden says he's happy to take questions from House Democrats. From Joseph A. Wolfson. The White House raised eyebrows on Wednesday when it suddenly cut the feed of a virtual event after President Biden said he was happy to take questions from Democratic lawmakers. Accompanied by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and the House Democratic Caucus, Biden addressed lawmakers on the topics of COVID relief and the ongoing vaccine rollout. He closed his remarks by calling on Democrats to help restore faith in government. Well, no, you should really have the opposite. You should lose faith in government. The government is not your friend. The government does not want what's bet, uh, best for you. The government wants what's best for the government. He then appeared ready to take questions. I'm, I'm happy to take questions, if that's what I'm supposed to do. Nance, Biden told the speaker, whatever you want me to do, let's listen. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining. The White House did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comments. Big fucking surprise there. So, yeah, he's going out there and he's ready to take questions. But we also look at the fact that they haven't had the State of the Union address, which that in and of itself, that's not all that uncommon for a first-year president. I will give him the benefit of the doubt on the State of the Union. I know a lot of other of his critics will not, but I will give the benefit of the doubt on that. 
He just got in. He doesn't know which shoe was which, so how does he know what the State of the Union is already at this point? He doesn't. But, I mean, he hasn't had a solo press tour, or, I'm sorry, a solo press event yet. Pazaki has done all of the press events at this point, and, yeah, as soon as he's ready to start taking questions, he gets cut off. If he can't sit and read from a script, he's useless to them, because he runs out and he says, stupid shit. That's what he does. He says stupid shit. So, the rare instances where Biden does take questions are often limited to queries from pre-selected reporters. So, yeah, they're not going to let him come out and talk. All right. I found this one interesting yesterday. So I thought we could sit down and talk a bit about this one because we keep talking about how evil it was that this, uh, the stage was made to look like a Nazi rune that everybody knows about, but mysteriously nobody had ever seen before. Well, this popped up in my news feed this morning, and I thought that we should take a look at it. Company behind CPAC Nazi stage donates largely to Dems did work for MSNBC, Biden Cancer Initiative. Washington Post, USA Today, among outlets that have elevated the conspiracy theory. From Joseph A. Wolf's own. An online conspiracy theory that the stage at last week's conservative political action conference was designed in the shape of a Nazi symbol has been disproved by the political affiliations of the company that built it. Over the past several days, social media users sought to disparage the conference by comparing the design of the main stage to an obscure Nazi symbol known as the Odal Rune. No, Fox News, don't say that. Everybody knows that that's what it is. I mean, that's been common knowledge forever. This rune is more popular than the swastika. Don't you know? Design Foundry told the Jewish newspaper The Forward on Tuesday that the design was intended to provide the best use of space given the constraints of the ballroom and social distancing requirements and was approved by the American Conservative Union, CPAC's organizers. The firm added it was saddened and horrified at the accusations that this was a deliberate act. Design Foundry denounces all hate speech and acts of racism, prejudice, or bigotry in all forms. Design Foundry's financial and political ties further undercut the Nazi conspiracy theory. The company's previous clients include MSNBC, Google, Target, and the Biden Center Initiative. Well, honestly, that actually makes me wonder if there was more of a conspiracy theory ah, than that. Because now we have the perfect opportunity to put something obscure that nobody's going to know about right away out there and then feed everybody the information that this is a Nazi rune. I think this was a little bit more deliberate than Fox News thinks. But I don't think it was the political party doing something deliberate that they think that it is. The National Post uh, noted uh, on Wednesday that more than 98% of the $7,766.50 in campaign contributions made by employees of the, Z the Design Foundry were donated to Democrats according to FEC filings. So, you're telling me that CPAC contracted with a company in Florida whose FEC filing says that 
its employees donate almost entirely exclusively to Democrats. And mysteriously, just a few minutes after the stage was unveiled, social media started talking about the fact that it was a Nazi symbol. And you don't see an issue with this. I'm not saying that's what happened, but I have questions. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. So, that's what we see from that. I've got one from Insider, archived of course, because Adblocker. The design company behind the stage at CPAC said they had no idea it resembled a Nazi insignia. I don't know. From Mia Jankowitz. The company that designed the CPAC stage said that it had no idea the shape had Nazi associations. Design Foundry, a Maryland events design company hired to come up with the stage, told Insider in a statement that it had no idea the design resembled any symbol, nor was there any intention to create something that did. Over the weekend, social media users noticed at the stage used by Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, and others at the flagship conservative event in Florida closely resembled an Odell rune, albeit upside down. This shape, which is Nordic in origin and has been used in many non-extremist contexts, was used on the uniforms of the SS, the German Nazi Party's main paramilitary force. Both the conference organizers and the design company have denied that the resemblance was deliberate. Matt Schlapp, the organizer of the conference and chair of the American Conservative Union, said in a tweet that it was outrageous and slanderous to suggest a conspiracy around the design. We have a long-standing commitment to the Jewish community, he added. So, you know, that's, that's what we saw from this. I got Occam's razor. Well, no, I can't even Occam's razor this one because I look at this from the other direction now because I don't know. I also understand that the left in this country, the progressive movement in this country, analyzes everything that every conservative in the world does to try and find the secret dog whistles going to white supremacists that usually don't exist. I'm sure there's some progressive that watches this channel every once in a while. Maybe it's Flancorp. I don't know. Actually, that dude seems kind of base, so I don't think he would do that, but maybe it's him that's looking to see what white supremacist thing that I do and say. Maybe Holt is watching this. Who knows? But, yeah. They just analyze the stuff, looking for anything that they can come out and say, See? See? They're Nazis. <clears throat> All right, so that's, uh, that's what we have. Let's move back on. I've got another one from CNBC. Biden agrees to limit number of people who will get checks and COVID relief plan. And I'm working something out right now, and I may actually be sitting down with Britt from the Freckles and Britt show. i got to see if uh, Elaine can get on board with that and talking about this, because Britt is one of these households that's going to get bumped from this. From Jacob Pramuk. President Joe Biden has backed a plan to cut the income caps for Americans to receive direct payments as part of the $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package set to pass in the coming days, a Democratic source told Wednesday. The phase-out levels for the $1,400 stimulus checks are $75,000 in income for single fire, uh, filers. Rather, The cap for receiving some payments is now $80,000. So 
that right there and then of course double it up for married couples um with that that is a little bit of a contrast to what they were planning on doing because remember this isn't the first time we've heard about this they've already talked about this at uh some point here uh also it was going to be 112,500 for heads of household the cap is now 12 or 120,000 and uh with this because remember, the last round, the last two rounds of checks had, it went up to $75,000, which is, I mean, around here is a huge amount, a massive amount. But in a place like SoCal, it's like pennies. And in New York, a $150,000 a year job will get you a one-room hole in a wall with a toilet next to the bed. But going along with this, and I mean, looking at it, they said that they were going to, at first they were going to drop this down to 50000 for individuals to get the checks. But they looked like they took it off the other end because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it was 75000 was the cap for the $1,200 check. And then they started to phase out until you hit 100000 So they just gave you a little bit less as you went along up the pay scale. Until you hit hundred grand a year. Now they drop the cap down to eighty k a year, which there you go. That saves some some money somewhere off of this. Which I guess to me, if it was me, I would put more of an application process on it and less of just mailing it out willy nilly to people. But that's you know I want people if they want something to actually come back and request it. I just don't want to give give shit away and say please vote for me. So it does look like it's coming down off of this, and it does look like uh, somebody that I know personally is going to be affected by it. So I don't know. I'm not taking the check. That's all I know. From NPR. House approves major election reform and voting rights bill. We haven't read from NPR for a while. I know, because I haven't used my NPR voice for it yet. This is from Alana Wise. Don't forget to donate to NPR. They are public, after all, and they need your help. They need your tax dollars and your donation dollars to spread the ideas of communism throughout the world. Won't you give them your money? Oh, comrade, don't you mean our money? Let's see what they have to say. The House has once again passed a bill aimed at voter reform and campaign finance overhaul. The Wednesday night vote was 220 to 210. Democrats reintroduced the bill January after passing it in 2019, banking on the party's narrow majority in the Senate to get it passed through both chambers this cycle. The bill needs uh, seeks rather to expand Americans' access to the ballot box, reduce the influence of big money in politics, strengthen ex uh, ethics rules for public servants, implement other anti-corruption measures for the purpose of fortifying our democracy, and for other purposes. The bill's language calls for complete overhaul of the current system, which varies widely by state, which critics say promote unfair barriers to voting. Right, but it doesn't pass the Constitution. Included in the act is mandatory automatic voter registration against the Constitution, restoring voting rights to people with convicted, uh, completed felony sentences, 
Not a bad idea against the Constitution on a federal, uh, federal level, and reversal of state voter ID laws that would allow citizens to make a sworn statement affirming their identity if they are unable to produce an ID against the Constitution. The 2021 For the People Act, which has nice, flowery, fruity fucking language, so how can you vote against something that's for the people? Come on, man! Is a reboot of a 2019 bill of the same name. At the uh, time, the House passed the bill along party lines, but it never had a chance to move forward in the Senate, which was then controlled by Republicans. <clears throat> in addition to revamping the voting laws, the bill also takes aims at dark money in politics by requiring organizations to disclose large donors and creates a matching system for small donations. So your tax dollar is going to go to fund the candidate of the government's choice. Our democracy in a state, uh, is in a state of deep despair during the 2020 election. Americans had to overcome rampant voter suppression, gerrymandering, and a torrent of special interest dark money just to exercise their right to vote. Across the country, people of all political persuasions, including Democrats, Independents, and Republicans, are profoundly frustrated with the chaos, corruption, and inaction that plague much of our politics. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, House Administration Chair Zoe Lofgren, and Representative John Sarbanes sent a joint statement earlier this year. That's why House Democrats are doubling down on our long-standing commitment to advance transformational anti-corruption and clean election reforms again by passing H.R. 1, the For the People Act. This is dead on arrival in the Senate. Yeah, it's going to go to committee because... Chuck Schumer can come up and say we're going to sit back and watch this and we're going to look we're going to talk about this forever but yeah it'll go to committee and it's dead on arrival because you're not going to get 60 votes to pass this piece of shit Everything that they mentioned in this NPR article goes against article 2 section 1 of the constitution All of this is a states rights issue the states govern their own election laws I don't understand what is so hard about that to understand for people who are supposedly constitutional law scholars. I don't get it. I'm just a guy who yells into a microphone, and I know that that's wrong and illegal and won't pass the Supreme Court. I mean, there's a reason they can't implement nationwide voter ID to begin with. Because Republicans have tried on the federal level. And the Supreme Court looks at it and says, Excuse me, Mr. Republican uh, Senator, have you read the Constitution? Have you read Article 2, Section 1? No, we can't do this. Consult your local representation, please. I know, and the R.A. to conservative has been really, really big on this, too. But, I mean, you won't get the 60 votes for it. I can tell you that. It's not going to happen. You don't have the votes to pass this in the Senate. And you don't have the activist votes in the uh, Supreme Court to look at this and say, Oh, no, well, this is unconstitutional, but we don't care because we're getting paid off by Democrats to do their bidding. And they gave us a seat of power, so we do their bidding. So that's what we're seeing from that. Uh, McCarthy had a little bit of something to say about that. From Fox News, McCarthy warns Democrat-backed H.R. 1 is Pelosi power grab meant to erode election confidence. From Danielle Wallace. And that's 
That's actually a good way to put this here. Let's see what uh, McCarthy has to say before I weigh in on that, though. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said Sunday that Democrat-backed uh, HB1 will destroy election confidence and serves as a power grab for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, effectively destroying America if the sweeping election reform bill passes next month. It won't. But it is a nice way to grandstand. No, I don't have the most to lose. The American public have the most to lose because we will lose our freedom, McCarthy said on Fox News' Sunday Morning Futures. When you put a bill into Congress, the majority party reserves the first numbers. This is H.R. 1, so this is the most important for Nancy Pelosi to hold on to her power. Every House Democrat last week signed on to the sweeping election reform bill, H.R. 1, also known as the For the People Act, saying it will expand the voter rights to clean up corruption in politics, but Republicans have ripped it as federal government takeover and accused Democrats of trying to change election rules to benefit themselves. The bill is expected to be considered on the House floor during the first week of March. What we have to do is people lose their confidence in elections, you break society down, and we will lose America as we know it, McCarthy said, addressing host Maria Bartiromo. We know that there's a real question, one of the confidence, uh, one of the confidence in the last election. And that's, you know, that's where I want to go with this. I don't think McCarthy is right, just reading what he had to say about this. I don't know if there's video of this. doesn't look like it. I don't think McCarthy is correct on his assessment of this, but it does bring up a good point when he talks about eroding confidence in the election system and what goes on with that. Because when you look at something like this, now, you, my audience, know what Article 2, Section 1 is because we've talked about it numerous times. It is one of my biggest pet projects. I'm a federalist, so anything that puts that power back into the hands of the states and takes it away from the federal government makes me a happy guy. And Article 2, Section 1, enshrined in the Constitution, does just that. And you guys know about it because I talk about it all the time. But your average Berkeley graduate who's looking at this and saying, oh, why can't I just go over to Oklahoma and vote the same way? Or your average New York, NYU graduate, or Boston College graduate, if that's where you want to go, looks at this and say, well, Ohio is pretty red. I, I think I could go in there and, you know, vote a couple times and change the aspect of that. Because they don't know that this isn't a federal thing. There are people that have argued with me. I've, there are people on the voter ID side that have looked at this and said, well, it's a federal election. It should be federally mandated. No! Because you open that back up. I mean, you turn it into one election then, and then you sit back and you wonder why the hackers, so-called, that you didn't trust in the last election, can suddenly get into the election because it's one centralized election. Breaking it up gives you election integrity. I don't understand why people don't understand that. Well, I do because they've been taught to. They've been trained and indoctrinated that anything that Republicans want is wrong. And the Constitution is bad because it was written by a slaveholder. They've been trained and indoctrinated for that. But yes, this does not pass constitutionality by any stretch of the imagination, but it does erode your confidence. Because now these people who have been, who went to Berkeley, who went to NYU, who went to Boston College, didn't learn anything about the Constitution, look at this and say, well, 
It's just the, uh, the opposite party. It's the people that the mainstream media told me to hate are just trying to suppress the vote. That's all it is. I have no confidence in our election. We, I have to elect people who are going to come up and change this. And here we go. All right. From CNN. First on CNN, Representative Ronnie Jackson made sexual comments, drank alcohol, and took Ambien. While working as the White House physician, Pentagon watchdog finds. From Anu Raju, Barbara Starr, Zachary Cohen, and Oren Lieberman. The Department of Defense Inspector General has issued a scathing review of Representative Ryan Jackson during his time serving as the top White House physician, concluding that he made sexual and denigrated comments about a female subordinate violated the policy for drinking alcohol while on a presidential trip and took prescription strength sleeping medication that prompted concerns from his colleagues about his ability to provide proper care. Which, okay, now we're trying to take some of the heat off Cuomo, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to go down into this article and just point this out here. Jackson claimed the report was politically motivated in a statement to CNN Tuesday saying the Inspector General resurrected old allegations against him because he refused to turn my back on President Trump, who was a vocal supporter of his 2020 congressional bid. He also told CNN he rejects any allegation that I consumed alcohol while on duty. Well, you're going to have to come up with proof of that. If he did it, then... It's between him and the people of Texas. I don't remember which district he uh, represents. I think it says in the article. It doesn't. Not at the top, anyway. But, okay, if he drank on the job, if he made the denigrating remark, if he did any of that, that's between him and the people of Texas. Now, yes, the IG should absolutely come out and tell you, tell the people out there what the proper information is. They absolutely should because the people of Texas deserve transparency of this. But if it's an allegation, you should really prove it too. So I'm interested to see what the proof is behind this, but this does look like a political witch hunt and something else to take uh, pressure off Andy Cuomo to come out and say, see, see, look what the other side did. Helton for president. I can get behind that, by the way. From CBS News. Embarrassed, Cuomo apologizes for pain I've caused, but says he won't resign as New York's governor. Good. Let him sit in there and get fucking punished for it. Let him, let the people decide whether or not he needs to come out or stay in. This is from No Author Given. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said Wednesday that he won't resign from office amid growing calls for him to step down over sexual harassment allegations. After a third woman came forward to allege inappropriate conduct, the governor said during a press conference he felt embarrassed for the pain I've caused and pledged to cooperate with an investigation led by the state attorney general. No, 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 no. I mean, okay. I will give it that Letitia Jackson is going to be a little bit harder on Cuomo. Or supposedly, let me rephrase that. By all appearances, Letitia Jackson will be a little bit harder on Cuomo because she's got her eye on that position. So if she can remove him, she can run in his place and go and take it, you know, like a Klingon ritual. Depose the leader, and then you become the leader. But with this, at this point, if it's really this, 
and if he's really done this, as they've said that he did, I need to see somebody come in from the outside and look into this one. Somebody who comes from out of New York to come in and scrutinize this and look into this and find every little thing they possibly can. So, Buddy's not going to step down. Alright, I got one from my future wife over at Blaze Media. The Honorable and Venerable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez de Twitch. Moderates are lucky. We're only demanding $15 an hour minimum wage. It should be $24 an hour. There it is. Now they're going to keep moving the fucking goalposts. Anyone who thinks otherwise is living in a dystopian capitalist nightmare. From Paul Shiver. Do I have video of this? Maybe. Democratic Representative, the Honorable and Venerable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez de Twitch, argued on Sunday that opponents of a minimum wage hike ought to be thankful progressives are only demanding the raise to $15 an hour, since the actual minimum wage should be $24 an hour in her estimation. During an interview with MSNBC's Mehdi Hassan, the progressive lawmaker blasted fellow Democrat lawmakers, including West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, who have come out against the measure, saying any person who thinks $15 an hour minimum wage is a crazy socialist agenda living in a dystopian capitalist nightmare. We should not prop that up. We should not continue that. The people are sleeping in their cars. Okay, they can't afford baby formula. They're basic goods that people can afford, puppy. Under the, um, under the current federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour, she continued. It is deeply shameful that we're even having this conversation, she added. Because when you take the minimum wage from several decades ago, okay, then you actually account for inflation and the productivity gains up to today. It should really be 24 an hour. Let's have a listen. Okay, that's uh, good to notice here because, yeah, we have no audio from anything. So that's something we've got to figure out before the Red Net show. I'm glad that uh, got pointed out to me because I can hear it and the monitor is saying the audio is going out. Let me check a setting here. Let me see if we can pick something up. figure that out off the air yeah because I mean I've got the the bar is on so like if I go back and start the video back up again I can I can see where it's going out so yeah I mean uh, OBS is registering it but uh, okay well we'll figure that out off the air thanks you guys for pointing that out to me all right, so, well, that's what we have there. Later in the interview, Ocasio-Cortez claimed, in almost every pocket of this country, you cannot afford rent if you're making minimum wage. And in America, if you're working a full-time job, you should be able to afford to live, okay? The $24 an hour figure that Ocasio-Cortez mentions come from a study put out last year by the left-leaning Center for Economic and Policy Research, which determined that 
had minimum wage remained in step with productivity gains as it did from 1938 to 1968, it would now be $24 an hour. So that's it. They're going to demand more from you here and devalue the currency even further. And we won't try to watch video anymore for the rest of the episode. Well, that knocks that one out. All right, well, with that then, we're going to move on and talk from NPR once again. Uh, Seawall from over in the Discord pointed this out to me, and I thought that we needed to talk about it here because an explosion outside the Dutch coronavirus testing site. Police say, this is from Jacqueline Diaz, and remember, give them your donation so that they can spread more communist ideals on, as was said in the chat, National Progressive Radio. Don't you know, they need your money. Dutch police in a town north of Amsterdam are investigating an explosion outside of a coronavirus test center early on Wednesday. Police say the explosion went off about 6.55 a.m. outside the center in Bovenkarspel, a town about 40 miles northeast of Amsterdam. There were no injuries from the blast. I wonder if Styx is going to talk about that today. That's a... That's an interesting one, because that's like right in his neck of the woods. I don't know where in Amsterdam he is, but he is somewhere around Amsterdam, and he's very open about that. Investigators told local media that the explosion appeared intentional, as remnants of an exploded metal cylinder were found outside the building. Police spokesman Menno Hartenberg told Reuters that it must have been placed there, something like that doesn't just happen by accident. Officers were alerted to the incident by a security guard who called police saying he heard a loud bang. The area surrounding the test center was cordoned off while the police investigated. Police said five windows were shattered, so wow, that was uh, definitely one that had some teeth to it. According to Deutsche Welle, the incident comes just two weeks ahead of the national elections on March 17th. It also happened the same day the pandemic lockdown rules in the Netherlands were eased after months of strict quarantine measures. So, we will uh, pay attention to this one here, but yeah, people are starting to get up there. All right. Let's go to Ron Helton's favorite website from his favorite politician in the world. <clears throat> from Bloomberg. Criticized Indian vaccine already in use, found 81% effective from Chris Kay. An Indian coronavirus vaccine that generated controversy when it was granted emergency approval before finishing its final stage testing has shown to provide strong protection against COVID-19 in an interim basis of an advanced clinical trial. Covaxin, which was co-developed by Hyderabad-based Bharat Biotech International LTD and the Indian Council of Medical Research showed an efficacy rate of 81%. In those without prior infection, after a second dose, the company said in a statement, that's better than Bharat Biotech's guidance last year of around 60% and the country's benchmark of 50% for vaccines targeting the novel coronavirus. The vaccine maker didn't say if efficacy rate was measured at protecting against all symptoms, including mild coughs or just serious reactions to this, the disease that requires hospitalization, and yet your regular immune system is 99% effective. So... They got another one here so you can stick it out in your arm. Aren't you excited to go take an Indian vaccine this time? All right, I've got one from The Hill. 
Also from Seawall over in the Discord, Alabama State Senators approve ban on hormone therapy surgery for transgender youth. From Justine Coleman, and then I've got one up here from Wisconsin as well, and I'm going to weigh in on this. And then I'll have one more, and then we'll do a thing I like and a thing that I hate and head on out of here. All right, let's see what Justine has to say. Alabama State Senators approved a bill last week that would ban hormone therapy, puberty blockers, and surgery for transgender youth under age 19. The legislation, entitled the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, passed the uh, Senate 23-4 on Tuesday and will now go to the Alabama State House of Representatives for approval. If the legislation passes, violators will be subject to up to 10 years in prison or a fine of up to $15,000. Alabama State Senator Shay Shelnut sponsored the bill, which would also require school staff to tell parents, when a minor's perception that his or her gender is inconsistent with his or her sex, a move that would basically out-transgender students. Children aren't mature enough to make these decisions on surgeries and drugs. The whole point is to protect kids, Shelnut said, acknowledging that he has never spoken to a transgender youth, according to the Associated Press. And with that, I'm going to weigh in on this just a bit here. So... If you're a warped perception of the world as a parent, now I'm not going to take this as a kid, but as a parent, if your warped perception of the world is that you need to transition your children, that's between you and your doctor. So just outright making it a felony to do that, I think is a bit extreme. But... The other language that goes along with this is really important with this because we're having these kids who are going to school right now, they're getting told the indoctrination theory that because they feel a certain way that they are a, a boy in a girl's body or a girl in a boy's body or whatever the case may be and taking these the pills and the hormone blockers because now they can go around the parents. They can come out and say, I feel funny and I, I feel like I'm not supposed to be a girl and I'm supposed to be a boy and stuff like that and then they can you know, straight out bypass the parents with no consequences for the doctors that do this and bypass the parents. If you are a minor, first off, I would drop that down to 17, not 19. But if you are a minor, then your parents have custodian over you. Your parents are your legal guardian, has custodianship over you. You are a ward of he or she who is your legal guardian. So yes, the doctor should have to consult before they mutilate, give a surgery, or give a hormone blocker to somebody under the age of 17. Unless that child has been emancipated, until you are 17, the doctor should have to consult the parent before doing anything that's mood-altering or any other form or anything else that they wind up doing. So I think this one may be a bit too far, but I mean, it, it gets the conversation going at least. So there's that. Plus, over in my neck of the woods, from Madison.com, Republicans push to bar transgender athletes from playing women's sports. From Brian Riley. Or Brianna Riley, rather. Not Brian. See, I misgendered her. Two new Republican bills aim to prevent uh, transgender student-athletes from participating in girls' or women's sports from elementary school through college in Wisconsin. 
the legislation, which would essentially seek to prohibit schools from allowing student teams that don't correspond to their biological sex as assigned by a doctor at birth unless the sport is classified as co-ed, would apply to public K-12 through schools, independent charters, private school uh, choice institutions, the University of Wisconsin system, and technical colleges. Representative Barb Dittrich, the lead assembly author of the measures, said that they would bolster fairness for women and girls in athletics, support Title IX, a decades-old federal law that bans discrimination on the basis of sex at any institution that receives federal aid. Now, in a fractured, well-meaning attempt at inclusion, women's achievements have once again been put at great risk of loss. The Walk Republican said at a Capitol News conference on Tuesday, biological females are losing opportunities at titles, records, scholarships, and even participation at times. And I'm going to say the same thing that I say when I talk about doing this on a federal level, especially when it's through the K-12 schools. Now, no, I don't agree that a boy should be going on to the girls' softball team and kicking everybody's ass in doing that. I don't believe that. But once again, this is a local thing. This shouldn't be a statewide ban. Let these people make the decisions. Let them stew in their mistakes as uh, parents with girl children. Look at this and start pulling their kids out of these urban schools that are going to allow this and going out to the more rural areas and taking their tax dollars with them. Let the female applicants to the University of Wisconsin go away and then the male applicants go away because the girls aren't there anymore. If this is what they want to do, let this go out to be a local decision and let the people stew in their consequences because we're already seeing parents talk about, well, Connecticut allows this. I don't want to live in Connecticut anymore. Hey, New York allows this. How bad can it really be in Ohio? Or a girl coming out and saying, well, I want to go to the University of Wisconsin, but I'm never going to get anywhere athletically. Uh, I guess I'm just going to go to Carthage. So at this point, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop trying to do this. So let them do that. Let And let the parents take their tax dollars elsewhere at this point. Or let the local school boards decide whether it's going to be. And I would be saying the same thing if Democrats in the Wisconsin House came out and said, well, we're going to pass a bill that says that everybody who says that he's a girl must be able to compete on the girls' team. I'd be saying, no, do this at a local level. I'm going to be consistent about this. So let's move this back onto a local level and let's figure out who wants to be in what districts. All right. I've got one more. No, I can't do this one because we have no video. But Glenn Beck is out here talking. So I'm going to figure out the video issue, figure out what's going on with that. And then we're going to do a thing that I like and a thing that I hate and head on out of here. All right. From... 23NBCValleyCentral.com out of Brownsville. I don't know what state this is out of. SpaceX launches, lands, and explodes SN10 prototype. From Boca Chica, Texas, the SpaceX Starship explodes after it successfully landed during the SN10 high-altitude test at Boca Chica. SN1P0 left it off at roughly 5.10 p.m. Central Time after earlier delays. It successfully touched down on the landing pad. However, roughly 10 minutes later, the entire starship exploded due to methane leaks, reports say. 
Now, I do like this, and you know, even seeing the explosion, I don't know if this was manned or not. I don't think it was. So if it was manned, that this I completely turned this into a thing that I hate. But the fact of the matter is, now they've got up, they've got this up, um, run it up into the air, got it to do a flip, come back down and land safely. And then it exploded from a separate mechanical issue. So we've got the good data as to figure out how to do the guidance system and how to get it up and back down and landing successfully. And now we've got evidence, now we've got somewhere to look to make sure that we don't see methane leaks because they've been able to identify what caused the explosion. So this is gonna push us even further at this point we may get out there and the private industry might kick the government's ass at space travel and what it could mean for the human race. So, keep trying. Don't kill anybody with a man flight yet. Please don't do that. But keep trying. Keep figuring it out and we will see where that goes. Alright, now we're going to do a thing that I hate and head on out of here. So, this is Paul Stan uh, Samuel. Paul Samuel says, Dear America, I'm from the UK and ignorant of your ways, so please clarify this. At Joe Biden's job is to serve and save America, and he is doing just that. Which he's not. The GOP's job is to stop him, is that right? This guy is coming out here, and he, I mean, he was looking for a fight, and he got one. He got a bunch of people piling onto this and people retweeting him and quote tweeting him and coming out there so everyone could see this and go back and pile onto this dude. And I mean, he's a fucking tool bag. And what I noticed from reading down through uh, most of his responses is that he's a he's not a war hawk so much as he wants us to be a war hawk in his place. Because um, we got this one here, Sparkling Jewels is a woman, says this tweet makes me glad that we kicked y'all's ass 200 years ago. And, of course, his big reply is, if you'd only applied your ancient courage to your tardy entry into World War II. Which that opens up an entire chapter of what Europe did wrong between World War I and World War II. And honestly, with, I mean, with shit like this, you look at that and... The reason we were tardy into World War II is because... After 1776, what happened on that side of the world was supposed to stop being our problem. Now, fact check it didn't, and now we're embroiled in the Middle East and every other fucking country in the world, but it was supposed to be our not our problem anymore once we kicked their asses. But this guy was just out looking for a fight and, you know, smug, and he has no idea what the fuck he's talking about, but... Yeah, it's... The intentions, and Quest Fanning actually pointed this out and said, well, Joe Biden's got good intentions, but his execution is uh, horrible. I don't even think he's got good intentions, to be completely honest. I bounce back and forth between whether he's too stupid to do the job and he's just in there as a figurehead, or if he knows that uh, somewhere out there, or maybe it's a mix of both, but he knows that he's going up the river for selling U.S. secrets out to the Ukraine and strong-arming Ukraine, and now he can't be investigated as the president. So, no, he's not trying to save America. He's actually doing quite the opposite, but 
That's what this guy thinks of you. Joe Biden is trying to save America. And anybody who opposes Joe Biden is just trying to stop him. So, that is the thing that I hate for the day. And that's going to be it for the day. So, let's head on out of here. And we'll be back here tomorrow with uh, more stuff. I'm going to go listen to the RRC from uh, last night because I didn't get to listen to it. I'm going on a fast today too, so we'll see how well I do with that because I haven't been feeling good all day and I maybe need to reset the system. But uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it'll be a good day. We'll see what's happening with the news. Looks like uh, maybe we'll get to talk about something that happened at the Capitol because of the real inauguration day. We don't know. It's still coming off of here. I don't know why I just put the outro music on because I have no audio outgoing. So we will see what happens there. But uh, we will be back here tomorrow. I want to see if I can fix the video problem and fix this out. And make sure if you're lurking right now, you get those last minute messages in. So I can thank you properly tomorrow at the end of the show. Remember, I read live chat and the names of everybody who chatted through the week at the end of Friday's show. So make sure you tell some friends and see how long we can get that list. And we will see you tomorrow then for that. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. <laughs>